0: You are listening to a podcast from the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace.
1: Good afternoon. Uh, I am Jessica Matthews, president of the Carnegie Endowment. Um, we got held up here behind some black smoke from the vice president's motorcade, um, but we've seen the white smoke now, and so we're ready to go. Um, it's a great pleasure uh, to uh, to welcome you this afternoon. Um, we are, um, focusing on, um, uh, the change that has taken place in Europe since the collapse of communism as it has, as the EU has expanded eastward today. Um, after two rounds of enlargement in, in just the last decade, um, uh, have added a dozen new members, uh, to the European Union, have cemented democratic transitions and created the world's largest economic bloc. Uh, but today, as it wrestles with uh, the economic crisis, the EU must also decide what its relationship will be with its neighbors beyond the new eastern borders. Uh, will those countries align themselves with Moscow, or can they be persuaded and encouraged to pursue political and economic reforms that would bring them into closer harmony with Europe? And uh, Ukraine, of course, is a critical case, the focus of today's. Discussion is in some ways a test case, in some ways perhaps one of the most difficult and the most interesting. If it can complete an economic an association agreement with the EU, Kiev stands to gain visa fee travel for its citizens, increased economic support, and privileged access to the European single market. In exchange, though, Ukraine would need to take concrete steps to improve its judicial system and its to end political prosecutions, to strengthen democratic institutions, and to reform its energy sector. Whether leaders in Kiev can summon the will to complete those that formidable list of tasks will speak volumes about the trajectory of Ukraine's future uh, and the continuing appeal of the European model. So here to help us understand uh, the choices facing Ukraine and its European partners, we are honored and fortunate uh, to be joined by a statesman who has spent his career advancing the European project. A former professor of economics, Romano Prodi, has served as prime minister of Italy twice, from ninety six to ninety eight, and again from 2006 to 2008, when he was just instrumental in Italy's adoption of the euro. As president of the European Commission from 1999 to 2004, he oversaw introduction of the single currency, presided over the EU's enlargement to 25 members and powerfully shaped its neighborhood policy. We are delighted to have him um, here with us today to reflect on uh, Ukraine and the future of the EU's Eastern Partnership, maybe also the future of uh, Italy's political trajectory, um, and the inside news uh, from Vatican City as well. Uh, But ladies and gentlemen, please Please join me in uh, in welcoming Romano Prodi to come.
2: Thank you. No, really, I'm very happy and honored to be here, you know, and... Uh, I was interested to listen to my CV because I am former, you know. The definition of my career is I am former. (laughs) And that's uh, when you arrive to a point of your life is uh, you like to be former. Uh, Look, uh, no, I am really happy to be here uh, to make some reflection on uh, what uh, is happening and what will happen in uh, uh, concerning uh, Europe, the neighbors, and with a special attention to Ukraine, uh, because uh, uh, we are really forgetting uh, this uh, very important chapter of our history and uh, the problem of how to have a clear-cut uh, definition of Europe, you know, also on the borders of Europe, you know. And uh, I shall try to be very brief because I know that in this situation question and answers uh, are the most important, you know. So be sure that I shall not touch the Italian political situation in this speech. In the question, if you are, uh, you know, uh, eager to know it, I shall do it. First of all, uh, uh, look, uh, when... Um, The 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 real achievement in which uh, one of the two achievements in which I am more proud in my life is the enlargement. You know, I have here some of my collaborators who worked like mad in that time. You know, uh, because we uh, were committed to enlarge the European Union to five countries in ten years, and we did ten countries in five in four and a half years, and I I think that was. Uh, the only answer to history, because if you do it quickly, you do, and then we should have never done anything like that. you know why because after this effort, Europe entered into the, in the period of fear, fear of immigrants, fear of china, fear of everything you know, and this uh, uh, this uh, change in the structure of Europe uh, should have been should have been impossible you know and mm, uh, you know, 10 countries, uh, two were outside uh, the former Soviet Union control, Malta and Cyprus. The other eight were all uh, uh, beyond the Iron Curtain, you know, Poland, uh, uh, Estonia, L- Latvia, Lithuania, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, and Slovenia, and then later Romania and Bulgaria, you know, that came. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, a very unique work because you know we divided our legislation 31 chapters and one by one was controlled they were negotiated with the country and then uh, approved by the local parliament and then came back and approved uh, again by the European institution it was it was really a, a, a great job of course uh, in this situation we have also to have Political feeling, you know. Sometimes somebody told me that uh, uh, country A did not respect 100 percent the rules. Okay, that's true. That's true. But uh, it was absolutely necessary to have a, a, a political and historical and historical vision. And I want only to invite you to 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 understand what what, what should have should have happened. Uh, uh uh should have happened if Poland if Poland should be out uh, of the European Union with all the tension that the country had with Russia uh in the in the following years you know and uh, I think that that uh, uh in t- and in terms of growth uh, we had uh, uh, unexpected results things went much better than we thought Clearly, you have still problems, problem of immigration, especially given by the two most recent countries, that's say Bulgaria and Romania. But broadly speaking, we had a peaceful change of Europe, you know. But <laughs> uh, in that time, it, well, it was impossible to have Ukraine in for a very simple reason that uh, there was a strong reaction of Russia and the country, Ukraine, was heavily divided you know and, and uh, you know uh, history traditions uh, Ukraine has such a deep link uh, with uh, Russia that uh, I think it was wise and uh, I tell you that uh, the first action in my government in in two thousand and and uh, uh, two thousand and eight it was just uh, being uh, uh, voting against uh, the entrance into the NATO of Georgia and Ukraine with almost all the European countries, because uh, we were thinking that it was not useful to provocate a resentment, you know, and it was much better to have a more prudent prudent policy. And you know this is uh, this is um, the study that we followed. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, after that, uh, as I told you before, we had the years of fear and of a Europe uh, that was going back and back. And so now we cannot imagine uh, uh, an enlargement of European Union to Ukraine. In the moment in which we have now, uh, the maximum will be uh, the expansion to the to the Balkan countries because they are small, they are ready in the pipeline, and so on. But uh, now we shall, we are in front of a period of uh, digestions, as we could define it, you know. And so um, Europe changed uh, changed uh, the strategy, and uh, uh, and uh, we, uh, my successor, I think wisely, uh, he started a strategy of uh, uh, let's say increasing uh, and enhancing the relations with uh, Ukraine, uh, offering. Uh, uh, stronger and stronger cooperation uh, in a different speed uh, because of the difference uh, uh, Ukrainian governments uh, and internal situation, but with the idea. And it, it is working, you know. Uh, for example, uh, in trade between Europe and Ukraine now is uh, 30% of UK- Ukraine foreign trade. Forty percent is with Russia, but in the old time was almost all with Russia. And if you analyze the the type, you know, the quality of this trade, you find that with Russia is all energy and raw material. With Europe, is much more skilled and much more uh, qualified. You know, so step by step, there is this uh, this uh, this uh, change. Step by step, there is this change and. Uh, uh, um, uh but uh, being separate till now from European Union and uh, Russia uh, the country in my opinion suffered a lot ukraine uh, per capita GDP is still lower than should be with any you know part of the explanation is that uh, uh anybody who was familiar with Ukraine just after the fall of the Soviet Union, he understood how the country was, was you know, insulated. It was like a a company, you know, in which a factory is separated by the headquarters. You know, you have skilled workers, you have engineers, you have everything, but you don't take decisions. And this was Ukraine, you know, the fantastic, uh, very skilled uh, rocket engineers or uh, uh, scientists driving the taxi or this unbelievable emigration of uh, uh, Ukrainian teachers, the women, uh, to to take care of, of, of Italian or Spanish old people, you know. We have this situation, you know, Ukraine. A country that, in theory, has everything, you know, because raw materials, um, a fantastic agricultural land, uh, 46 million people, but very skilled. And, and and you know, uh, this is the price paid by Ukraine uh, in the moment. Of course, uh, from the um, when I left the European Commission, we made a proposal that was, I think, a change of the world, you know. Uh, Looking at the difficulties of starting with the large, we proposed to have around the European countries uh, something that we were calling uh, the Ring of Friends. Let's say all the countries around Europe, from Belarussia to Ukraine to Moldova to Israel to Syria to till Morocco, uh, they could deal uh, all the agreements with the European Union, except being part of the institution, it was called the Ring of Friends, or uh, everything but institutions. You know, in order to to have around Europe this, uh, but you know, politically now it's uh, it didn't work. You know, because this could be a cradle for 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 Ukraine immediately, also in a general framework. You know, and uh, so. Uh, uh, the country has had ups and downs but not a steady period of growth and uh, europe in the last year has offered to ukraine a strong uh, strong and uh, uh, cooperation and uh, uh, this has been is been backed by all the main uh, ukrainian political parties from this point of view uh, it's uh, it's a, uh, is a common, uh, is a common will to, to, uh, to have a, a stronger cooperation with Europe, the, the party in the government and Tymoshenko party too. Uh, but, and, uh, but in the same time, there is a, an offer by Russia to be part of the customs union with Kazakhstan and and and, and Belarusia, and to enter into the Eurasian project. Clearly, uh, the Russian proposal is without condition, quick, and also has some some appeal, you know. But uh, in the long run, clearly, uh, economically and politically, there is a deep interest of Ukraine uh, to be uh, closer and closer to European to European Union. And uh, um, uh, which is the problem that you know in this picture is clear that uh, uh, the wisest policy is to uh, uh, open the door to Ukraine uh without uh, without uh, fighting you know resenting russia because otherwise ukraine will suffer and so uh but uh, uh uh let's say backing uh the evolution of of the country and uh clearly you have uh, in this in this uh, uh from the economic point of view you have success, uh, direct investments, trade is increasing. But, uh, you know, from the political point of view, we had some big obstacles. First of, all, obstacle. First of all, the problem of the Timoshenko trial and the problem of internal democracy of the country. Problem that it was and it is very serious, you know, and uh, uh, the European pressure... I think it had a lot of success in the sense that uh, uh, the election law approved has been um, considered fair and transparent uh, by uh, the European institution, the Club of Venice, and uh, on the Timoshenko trial that is very delicate because there's many aspects on that, uh, um, the European Parliament uh, uh, imposed and was accepted uh, by the Ukrainian government to have two very top observers uh, uh, inside the process They say the former uh, uh, the former um, um, Polish president Kavlianewski and the former president of the European Parliament uh, the Irishman Cox and they every day during the process the trial they go and analyze how things are going. Of course, this is not a guarantee that uh, will be fair to the end, but is already, uh, already uh, a progress. And uh, we, have, um, we hope that in a few weeks uh, even the Minister of the Interior, who has been put in jail, mm-hmm. will be under European pressure released. So uh, this is uh, uh, this is a policy coherent with uh, what I think must be our goal: to consider Ukraine not a battlefield between Europe and European Union and Russia, but a field of cooperation, in which, of course, we have to have also some compromise. Clearly, when you arrive to the. Uh, uh, the issues uh, that are so linked to the russian history or to the uh, let's say uh, deep 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 russian interest a compromise is needed so i honestly am not surprised that i am not that uh, ukraine did an agreement for the navy russian navy uh, uh, this the swap was uh, cheaper energy from one side from Russia and a guarantee to have the Russian fleet uh, uh, in Crimea for a long period of time, uh, uh, this is clearly uh, like or not an absolutely necessary compromise if you don't want to create increasing tension increasing tension uh, 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 in, in the country so um, it was, you know, uh, uh, also a problem that uh, uh, we Europeans had to tackle in 2008, and it was on the last international meeting in which I have ta- taken part as Prime Minister, in which, even of course being very strongly supporter of NATO, uh, the European didn't think that was opportune to have Ukraine and Georgia. Into the NATO immediately, you know, because this would have um, uh, created uh, a, an increasing tension in, in the in the in the in the area. Uh, again, with the idea of having a bridge more and more progressively linked linked uh, linked uh, to to Europe to Europe. Uh, mm, Coming back, uh, of course, to the uh, Timoshenko case, uh, I told before that it was uh, complex because there were internal and external policy. Mm, there is this accusation of an unfair deal with the gas, with, with, with Russia, um, dealing with a price that uh, it was uh, much higher than the European average, They say, $200 per 1,000 cubic meters more than the price in Germany and uh, 100 more than the European uh, European average. And uh, you know, whether this was due to uh, pressure or to hidden agreement, you know, uh, it's clear that we let the decision to to the judge. Our pressure is to have uh, a possible fair, 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 fair judgment, and to help uh, uh, bringing uh, the old Ukrainian that was um, Soviet-style judicial system more and more uh, in the uh, Western, uh, European, uh, Western European, Western uh, European. Uh, Uh, framework, framework, Uh, and uh, so uh, so the decision was taken that before signing the association agreement that I repeat I think will be signed next November, uh, uh, Ukraine must undertake a reform of judicial system. Uh, a complement uh, uh, that uh, to the reform of the of the uh, criminal code that was done last year, Let's say to make a total revision of the code. Clearly, this does not mean that only this legal change will change the country. In Ukraine, as in many of these countries, we have this links between politics, economics, uh, media, uh, that uh, makes. Uh, the development of a true, fair democracy very, 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 very difficult, you know. Uh, but uh, I do think that uh, we have to work step by step in 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 in, in, uh, in uh, 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 step by step uh, uh, in uh, in in the right in the in the right in the right uh, in the right direction. And uh, so uh, 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 at this point uh, there are still uh, quite a few uh, European politicians and also American politicians who think that... uh, uh, um, uh, the situation is is uh, such that in order to get results uh, we should apply sanction. Uh, and this has been under discussion uh, for many, many months uh, now with decreasing uh, backing of it. I honestly I, 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 I think that uh, uh, very seldom sanction work generally they are uh, have results against the against the lowest uh, the weakest part uh, of the country um, but in this case they will have also the consequence to push ukraine ukrainian voters and ukraine Government in the arms of of Russia, so I do think that uh, the strategy that uh, Europe is uh, trying to 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 to, to adopt is uh, the best one, is uh, the best one, and uh, um, uh, and the only offer that uh, that uh, that we can we can we can give uh, clearly. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, still, still, still a, de- a delicate, still a delicate, still a delicate problem, uh, and uh, uh, is 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 really uh, a pity, uh, difficult that uh, Ukraine has not the concrete possibility of being member in some sort of uh, foreseeable time. But uh, mm, I repeat, I don't see any. I don't see any uh, uh, real possibility that this that this uh, this uh, can 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 come. Uh, mm, uh, coming back to the closing the circle uh, is a is, is a pity. Is uh, Uh, That cannot come also because uh, some of the countries who entered, uh, let's say Bulgaria and Romania, when they entered into the union, they were not in better condition than than it is Ukraine today. eh? So um, there is nothing, let's say, in content that forbids this. Uh, But there is uh, there is uh, a, a. a, a change in, in politics a change inside europe you know it's not anymore the period in which the optimism uh, f- with the future could 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 bring to to this very important political political decision you know and uh, mm, mm, but uh, of course uh, mm, why uh, i think that it uh, is important also the American position in that. First of all, because of influence of the United States on Europe, you know, I I do hope uh, that uh, we go back to the old uh, times in which we had a daily cooperation, you know. Uh, uh, I was really, in the last years, well not happy as professor to see how in any american university the center for european studies are have been shrinking in the last years you know and there is this uh, almost obsession that uh, only china is 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 worth you know uh, uh, but for example uh, i do think and i have the uh, i can testify that uh, uh, the ukrainian immigration in in united states the ukrainian being here the ukrainians the american ukrainians both canadian and uh, united states they have been very important in keeping the country close to europe uh, uh, uh let's say uh, ma- making an alternative to the to the russian uh, influence and uh, uh, and I think that that mm, this worked well, you know. And uh, uh, of course, I take uh, the occasion to 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 uh, to hope uh, that uh, with the transatlantic uh, treaty that uh, has been proposed, we we can start back to go to some more strict cooperation. It's not that this proposal will. Influence foreign trade because it's already fantastic. You know, we have no almost no obstacles. Uh, will not change, but uh, psychologically and politically, it is a message that uh, that uh, we need to give. You know, just uh, you know to 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 uh, let's say to to uh, cancel the idea that uh, uh, United States is looking only to the. Pacific and not uh, not anymore to the Atlantic. That is more because our links are given for granted, you know. This is also the, the, the there is certainly no need to stress it. But when there are, uh, uh, let's say, monetary tensions, uh, economic uh, uh, criticism, uh, a lot of... Uh, Financial accusation of uh, speculation you know that uh, the situation could 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 uh, deteriorate you know could deteriorate and uh, um, uh, the, the, the Europeans says you know they are uh, one i don 't say one hundred percent but nineteen percent pro obama you know enthusiastic of the president but mm, the first uh, campaign we analyze I ask to my student to analyze uh, Obama's speech but in the campaign in the first 30 speech he never mentioned Europe never mentioned Europe you know well Germany, France, Italy and all but uh, never Europe, and you know it's. Uh, uh, I repeat, uh, from many point of view, this is because it's given for granted. But love and cooperation must must be renewed year by year. Otherwise, you know, they they uh, uh, they <laughs> fade away. You know, and uh, and uh, clearly, in this moment, is Europe that is the weak the weak side of that. You know, uh, in in two thousand thirteen and the world growth will be 8%, 7.5%, 8% China, uh, 4% Africa, thanks God, 4-5% Africa, uh, 2% United States, and zero Europe, you know, uh, with some country like Italy or Greece or Portugal, you know, that have a minus, you know. And I do think that this is the moment in which... uh, we don't need only a granted friendship. We need, we need an active policy. You know? And I don't see it. You know? I see this monetary uh, hidden battle, Japan, US, uh, uh, that, that worries me a lot. You know, And uh, in the last two, three years of the crisis, we have seen uh, more confrontations than cooperation. Know. so that's, uh, and this is why I don't, I think that the, even the Ukrainian case is, is an instrument, you know, an occasion to to increase our links, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, a good part of our prosperity is because we work together, and so I think that we should have to work together even in the future. Thank you.
3: Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. President. That was uh, particularly, I think, the, the last notion that uh, engagement, EU-Ukraine engagement and integration, can actually be uh, an occasion for reinforcing somewhat atrophied transatlantic links. And I, I definitely was right there with you on the shrinkage of European studies across this country, as someone who is. Uh, definitely, come out of that. Uh, They're tradition. disappearing. Even even within the short span of a decade or two, it's it's very noticeable uh, and and it's keenly felt. But let me um, let me return really to the essence of of the challenge with Ukraine uh, and and the EU's universe, and just sort of start our discussion phase off uh, with a question, uh, and that is. Um, There's a a story that's gone viral in Ukraine today, and it's one that I think as a politician you'll understand instantaneously its importance. Uh, An old woman, a pensioner, walked into a grocery store, uh, and there happened to be a television reporter just doing his personal shopping in the store as well. And she picks up a potato, and she contemplates for a moment the price of this potato. The potato costs six grivni. Uh, That's approximately 75 cents. And she decided that she couldn't afford the potato because she had paid her electricity bill that month, and she'd paid for her housing and so forth. And she was on such a meager pension that that, that was impossible. Of course, the TV reporter immediately bought her a sack of potatoes and, and all of these things, and uh, and the story, you know, and then told the story, and the story went viral. But it, it really illustrates the fundamentally politically uh, difficult, perhaps even impossible trade-off that Ukraine is continually faced with, and I would say is in some ways exacerbated by the prospect of EU association. And that is that the EU promises uh, a long-term future, which is, I think, by most honest analysts understood to be beneficial to Ukraine, but with a number of very difficult short-term commitments. And those are not only economic commitments that can, for example, in raising utility rates, something the IMF has asked for, be very difficult for ordinary people to endure. Uh, but then, and think about, think about this as a politician, um, political commitments, things having to do with democracy and pluralism and human rights that make the political survival of the leadership that is taking those decisions also very difficult in the short term. So fundamentally, I'm asking about a short-term, long-term trade-off. And you as a politician, particularly as a European politician, and particularly as a politician who's led a country which, as you said today, you know, whose model, whose economic model, whose political model perhaps is not as inspiring as it once was. How do you inspire? How do you lead people who are trying to come into this European family? How do you lead them through that kind of difficult, short term? Well, look, I...
2: You know, the answer that we don't do it, you know, because this is the moment. I honestly thought that this is a moment of fear of Europe, you know, because, you know, imagine what we have done. Europe has been, a, let's say, the, the best achievement in politics in the last century, you know, not only peace, but development, you know. Then we arrive to a point in which you have to, you have the change. Why? Uh, the Westphalia state is based on the army and the currency. And when you decide to put the currency together, you make a revolution. The nation is not anymore a nation. And I was, I say, you know, I, was the, I had the emotion to be in this change of history, you know. Then you understand that people become afraid of that. They don't want anymore to tackle of that. They are afraid of the difficulties and in this case, clearly, we have not been helped by American bankers, you know. uh, uh, You know, honestly, uh, I am here uh, in the United States but the crisis started here but the price was paid by us, you know, because it's uh, because of our division, you know, I don't say. And then, you know, what we could offer in this moment, you know, uh, uh, the famous uh, friend of the uh, the Abbe say was asked, "What did you do during the French Revolution?" You know, he answered, "I survived it." <laughs> and and you know, in this moment, we are under stress. We can offer loyally, I think, a better future, but there will never an agreement for, uh, let's say, helping. A country like Ukraine with a strong help, but this is also the Mediterranean policy. Can you really when, when I when I go to Egypt or to to, 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 to Palestine or uh, they tell me, look, you are the biggest traders, the big investors, you know, and you don't have any policy. But but this is a historical moment in which you need unanimity and you have different idea of what Europe is. So, my, to be very concrete, what I think, I think that we shall go uh, uh, in a new direction. Europe uh, will not fail, because after last summer, the euro will stay, and Europe will stay, no doubt about that, but... Uh, difficult to make any progress in terms of unity. So step by step, we shall go to have, let's say, two-speed Europe: the Euro members and the non-Euro members of European Union. And uh, uh, the Euro members will, step by step, install rules that will make decision easier than uh, now. The decision process will be easier than it is now. But for a while, because of the weakness of the supernatural bodies, commissioners and so on, this progress must be done only through an agreement of the member states. And this is slow. I'm sure that we, we shall not go back because uh, the test was last summer. Everybody was telling that uh, the euro was finished so and so on and so on. And then, when we went to the brink of it, they understood. As you know, uh, you are a political scientist. Remember that it's the same behavior that we had in the last political elections. Well, everybody against Europe saw or opinion poll. Then you go to Holland, and you have a change of twenty-one points in favor of a, of, of of Europe. Uh, then compare it to the day before, to the polls uh, forecast the day before. Why? When you arrive to the, to the point in which you say yes or no to Europe, people say yes. People say yes because we know that. But uh, uh, I do think that we shall need a lot of time to, uh, to overcome this crisis. And uh, a lot will depend upon United Kingdom and Germany, even more Germany, because the other aspect of Europe is that Europe is different. You had the balance in the past for different reasons, political, economic balance. Now uh, the role of Germany is uh, above any comparison, and this makes this create the tensions, the problem that uh, that you have that you have now, you know, this is the reality, you know. Uh, and in this moment, look, you asked about mm, the problem of Ukraine, the potato costs, you know. Uh, uh, the sufferance of many uh, European countries is very high. In Greece, you have really uh, enormous suffering. In Spain, in Italy too, uh, you know. Uh, you have a lot of middle class completely expelled by. And, uh, you know, uh, this, in this situation, uh, everybody asks Germany uh, to, to, to put some steel in their locomotive, you know, uh, because they have a fantastic surplus in the trade balance. Uh, Per, per percentage of GDP higher than China. Higher than China. Almost like China in absolute terms. They had in the last year 216 billion euros surplus years. No inflation. Zero growth. And look, everybody uh, uh, thinks, look, gave us a little of steam. But politically, this is not popular because, you know, the tension that you have vis-à-vis Southern Europe. And then we have this economic policy in which uh, uh, growth is uh, delayed and delayed.
3: Okay, well, let's uh, let's take some questions from the room. Let me just ask that you uh, wait for the microphone uh, to arrive. We have a couple of them floating around, and then you just... Three
2: three questions, and then answer.
3: This is it. Fair enough. We can do it that way. We've got plenty of questions in the room. Uh, So just give us your name and affiliation. So we'll start right here in the red sweater there.
2: And speak slowly because I am very, 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 very old.
4: (laughs) Uh, My my name is uh, Stephen Beller. I'm I'm a historian of Central Europe, amongst other things. Um, um, May I ask a question? You mentioned the euro, and I'm I'm glad to to hear that uh, that will continue. You you mentioned it will will strengthen its its own rules within the euro um, group. Do you imagine the other, the non-euro members, as it were, joining it eventually? And secondly, um, you you mentioned um, the problems of of basically nationalism in in Europe uh, and on on its borders. Uh, There's one non-euro EU member, uh, Hungary, uh, which is currently um, causing a certain amount of concern uh, for Europeans and, and others, uh, what, what, what would you like to comment on what you think the European Union can do or will do or wants to do about uh, the current Hungarian situation?
3: That counts as two questions, so we'll take one more
5: here in front and then give the uh, president a chance to answer. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. President, for your wonderful presentation. Um, my question is in regards of the Eastern Partnership Program at large. You mentioned in vis-a-vis Ukraine, but I was wondering, what do you think of Eastern Partnership in general, the future of the uh, program, especially in the South Caucasus states of Georgia, Armenia, and um, Azerbaijan, and how do you think the Russia-proposed customs union is going to play into this? and the upcoming November Eastern Partnership Summit that is going to take place in Vilnius, is there going to be breakthrough there from the European side? Thank you.
2: Uh, Look, uh, the role of the euro and the future of the euro. Uh, I I don't want to comment the strange contradiction in which everybody say that the euro is weak, is weak, and the the euro is always so strong, you know, uh, because this is a mystery, you know. Um, uh, uh, And... uh, But... uh, And also because I think that we are almost in some sort of monetary battle, you know. Japan... uh, uh, easy money, the United States, uh, almost easy money. And uh, so uh, this is the moment in which we should need an authority to that, a reform of the system. But this is impossible because uh, the American government has no interest to any reform. And uh, <coughs> China is not interested because they will have a better situation in five or ten years' time, you know. So, this is the moment in which the two big uh, uh, players they w- so I don't expect that G20 or uh, will take any major solution, you know, because historically is not the moment in which in which in which we are, but uh, uh, uh and it's a pity because you know, I think that could have been useful for everybody, have a very strong euro. I do remember when mm, we had the, the 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 regular meeting between European Commission and, and China, you know. That, uh, in this meeting you have a dossier like that, you know. They were completely on butter, on ham and uh, shoes and everything, you know. The Chinese, they were absolutely. Completely uninterested on any item except euro, you know, and and it was fantastic, you know. Will you, will you have really paper? The Deutschmark mark and the French franc will disappear, no question about the lira. But you know, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know all all that, and then can we take a reserve? And you remember that in the beginning the, the euro went down, you know, and the. Subsequent meeting with the Chinese president, I was really frightened, you know, because... And he told me, President, you have given me a a bad advice, but I shall go on buying euro for two reasons. First of all, because the euro will go up, and he was right. Second, because I want to live in a world in which there is not one Lord only. And to have the euro and the dollar together for me is a guarantee for China. This was the answer. Now, they couldn't say, because of the European crisis, and this is why I think that it was a mistake not to cooperate during the crisis. The Chinese point of view is completely different. Not euro dollar. I want to have a basket in which the RMB, when we'll be ready, will be a real dominant position, you know. In a few years, the, the situation is, is changing. But uh, I do think that uh, uh, more countries will enter into the euro, and the crisis will be finished when Poland will come in. And uh, of course, they delayed because of the crisis. But the public opinion is still that this is a safe harbor for the future. Uh, When can be done? Look, I was only telling you now that everything is under paralysis, you know, on Hungary. On Hungary, uh, this is a difficult case because uh, you remember that we had uh, a strong tension in Europe uh, when uh, Haider won the... Austrian election, you know. (coughs) I remember that Chirac proposed a sanction, you know. And I was opposing uh, sanctions uh, for the simple reason that uh, you cannot uh, uh, punish electors. You know, you must punish behaviors. So, uh, what I think that uh, in the Hungarian case, uh, a deep attention must be given to the working, real working of Democracy. Uh, I am clearly worried, you know, because there are so many tensions inside the country, but I have not the element to judge whether there is uh, already a strong violation of democracy. On the <coughs> Georgia, Debar, and so on, uh, I don't see. Uh, the possibility of a strong policy in the future for the reasons I told you before. You know, it's a, uh, there is not a political unity to do that. You know. But I repeat, we should need Europe, you know, now. I'm so frightened by what happens in Egypt, you know, and you see that the country is still unsettled. Uh, um, you have uh, no tourism, unemployment, everyday tension, you know, and you have no strong European policy. Also, because you should need, you should need to put money on it, and the European budget is zero point ninety six. Let's say one percent of European GDP. With one percent, even if GDP of Europe is big. One percent is nothing, and with one percent you have to do, to, you know, bureaucracy, agricultural policy, regional policy, research. So when you have such a big problem like Egypt in the door of 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 Europe, you know, and the only let say, a strong and quick policy it can be American. You understand that we need this, you know. And uh, I think that to overcome this situation, uh, an American sensibility, an American help should be so important, you know, because it's a political depression that makes this difficult.
3: Okay. Uh, let's take three more questions and just do me the favor. Don't cheat. One question each. Uh, first, right there. Yes, right, right there.
1: It's sort of a follow-up question. On, sure. Name, um, name, and affiliation, please. Yes, uh, my name is Nikki Kazimova, and I'm a journalist uh, from Azerbaijan for news agency APA. Um, Speak
2: loud, please.
1: <laughs> as it's a follow-up question on what was just asked. Um, more specifically, um, my understanding is that uh, during the signing of the association agreements as it is envisioned in November in uh, Vilnius, um, Armenia and Georgia are scheduled to sign the agreements but not Azerbaijan and I thought uh, you may have some thoughts as to why um, and uh, and and sort of maybe speak a little more about Armenia's choice between European Union and Eurasian Union and uh, its choice between Russia and Europe that that it is facing at the moment Thank you
3: okay uh, right here Mike
6: Uh, I'm Mike Haltzell, Johns Hopkins Seitz. Good to see you again, Mr. President. Um, I'd like to return to Ukraine really quickly. Um, Twice in the last several years, Russia has cut off uh, gas supplies to Ukraine using the kind of leverage that they have because of Ukraine's dependence. Ukraine is supposed to have quite sizable uh, gas reserves that can now be tapped by the new technology, hydraulic fracturing uh, we here in the United States are familiar with the uh, environmental challenges that have to be overcome before it's fully exploited. I think one major European country has already banned it. My question is whether, obviously, uh, the reserves would be developed by private enterprise, but I wonder whether the European Union might uh, speed, speed the process along to try to uh, develop the Ukrainian fields and to give them more independence and help their economy.
3: Let's take one in the back. Is there... Yeah, right there. We have a hand.
7: Um, thank you very much, Mr. President. My name is Katerina Pichikov from the Transatlantic Academy. And I wanted to follow up quickly on Matt's question about the, um, the, the metaphor that he used, which I think very much um, uh, represents the main, I think, tension that there is in relations between the European Union and the Eastern Partnership, that is how to uh, balance the long-term perspective and attraction with sort of creating short term incentives and benefits. And you know, you, we, we, we know about the difficulties that Europe is facing right now and you talked about it.
2: You mean about Ukraine?
7: Eastern partnership, Ukraine specifically, but also um, the other five countries. But I wonder if you think there are specific policy areas and that sort of links to the energy question as well, or specific types of engagement that could be already pursued. In order to create, and which ones do you think would be really most productive in creating these sorts of short-term benefits and incentives for these countries? Thank you.
2: Okay. You mean, uh, if I understood well, uh, which are the short-term benefits that we can give uh, to Ukraine?
6: Yeah, this is the. Well,
7: country. how to um, how to help, how to keep these countries closer to Europe, yeah. more engaged with Europe um, by helping them overcome. Yeah. short term crises that they are facing
2: look on on armenia uh, well I, I i have to tell you that i didn't follow in the last 2 3 years the evolution of the problem you know to be very honest because uh, i cannot follow everything you know <laughs> uh, but uh, mm, uh, the pro European sentiment inside Armenia is very strong but very strong you know it, uh, there is this desire that uh, is still uh, and uh, it was uh, just uh, after a trip in Armenia that I elaborated the proposal of the ring of France you know because there are countries yeah. as Armenia who will never be member of the European Union you know because Because they are so far, you know, and uh, uh, clearly I shall never forget when uh, we started uh, the proposal to Turkey, you know, and uh, uh, I was in favor, but telling to my Turkish friends, let us go slow because, uh, you know, my grandmother, when there was something frightening, she used it to say, Mamali Turki, you know. So, <laughs> and that's, I do remember that in the discussion, Chancellor Cole, who was always trying to look at me, Romano, but when you were at the primary school, you didn't have good teachers. I said, what do you mean? Or you were very ignorant. What do you mean? Because Anatolia is in Asia not in Europe, you know. <laughs> this is uh, the, the sentiment, you know. And uh, of course, if you go to Armenia, you've got, uh, it will be difficult even in the future to, to have them and uh, the members of the Union. But they think that only Europe is a safe harbor. And so we have to elaborate a policy that gives them this possibility. Uh, and this is my, my idea, but uh, I repeat, you need a more dynamic movement in the European policy, and it's not the case now. Uh, and also there were also uh, mistakes inside uh, the Armenian policy, you know. It's, uh, but anyway, mm, this is uh, Russia. Cut off of the gas, yes. The tension has been secular, you know. One of the first time that I went to Kiev after the end of the Soviet Union, well, as a president of the European Commission, it was to mediate a fighting because uh, uh, the quantity of gas going into the pipes. And the Russian border, and the gas getting out to the European border, it was not the same, you know. <laughs> <Shocker>. <laughs> and so <laughs> the president of the European Commission was obliged to tell <laughs> who is spilling the gas, <laughs> and so we can't have, you know, so the tension in this field, they are secular, you know, uh, and... Uh, 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 but, in any case uh, Russia has no interest to disrupt the supply of gas <coughs> to Western Europe you know, and uh, they did a couple of times, but then you know, especially now, with the new market uh, the situation of uh, the market power of russia is 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 decreasing, you know, and they must be very careful you know because the sh- shale gas is 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 an incredible revolution I have never seen in my life a change a, such a quick change in such a big market like energy uh, Three years three years ago was a hope and now is a revolution and uh, uh, you, can you believe that? Last week we had the price of 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 gas inside u s was 3.5, three point five three point per british thermal unit. Don't ask me what is a british thermal unit <laughs> I, I don't know I don't. but but it was twelve in Europe and sixteen in asia so so you will have uh, this fantastic move, movement in favor of the United States, you know, petrochemical industry, pottery tile. You have a lot of sectors in which energy costs more than manpower. So we we'll change the picture, you know. And Ukraine is the only European country that has the same potential the United States. Poland too, but Poland, they say that the rock is different than is under urbanized area, and so they have a problem. But in Ukraine there is this potential. Will be put in action? I don't know because you have to see. But the research uh, to answer the question are increasing. More and more Western company are taking license. And uh, in one year time we shall have the answer whether Ukraine can be uh, a producer and an exporter of, 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 of gas. On the short term policy advantage uh, uh, clearly a, a, is a short term policy advantage to have the potential to increase export to Western Europe in a huge amount. Uh, that is, it was the most positive fact of Ukraine in the last year, you know, this is short-term. Uh, but I, I, I don't underestimate it, but I think that uh, uh, this must accomplish but an increase of crossed investments. And uh, and this, we may have a a strong action, you know. But, you know, this will come because you never invest in a market that is not uh, strongly linked to a wider area. So the guarantee with the treaty next fall is simply is a a long-term advantage. But gives you the message: Ukraine market will be part of the European market, not with all the regulation, because on membership, but customs and the basic rules will be the
3: same. Yes, which of course underscores the importance of holding on to what you've invested in property rights, corporate rating. All right, let's, uh, Bill here. We've got a microphone coming. Bill Courtney, just, a just second. Microphone.
6: Microphone. Uh, Bill Courtney, a retired diplomat. Uh, under what conditions would the European Union be willing to sign uh, to agree to an association agreement with Ukraine and Georgia? Would it agree if Tymoshenko was still in jail? Uh, what conditions for Georgia? Okay.
2: I don't um, know. I didn't follow that. I on Georgia, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, the last agreement I, uh, uh, I didn't follow the negotiation. And so uh, maybe somebody can answer in my. Um, <laughs> because I honestly have, I don't know.
3: Okay, uh, the lady right here.
0: Hello, uh, my name is Maya Tarashvili from Foreign Policy Research Institute. Uh, My question comes back to the internal politics of the um, EU and uh, Hungary in particular. And um, generally speaking, I guess my question would be, what do you do when a member state becomes greatly derailed from its democratic path? Uh, And with Hungary and with Prime Minister um, Orban, I would like to speak about Uh, Prime Minister Ponta and and Romania as well, because it is clear we're going to have this issue with Romania too. Um, And perhaps at the moment, Hungary's situation is not as apparent to some, but it will become, because as we all know, uh, Ponta, uh, I'm sorry, Orban has been doing pretty much the opposite of what he's told to do as far as the judiciary system or his control over the uh, national bank. So... um, I understand you you don't do not support sanctioning um these states but what is your recommendation then? Thank you.
3: Okay. And uh right just right behind Jane there.
8: Thanks. Uh Jean Bird, Arnold Golden, Gregory. Uh several people mentioned here and you, including you there were there were some uh issues on the reaction from the from Russia on the Ukrainian joining the Uh, association agreement to improving its ties with the European Union Uh, and of course we we all know the cases where uh, recent case when Russia issued a 7 billion dollar bill for the 2009 contract which Mr. Moshenko signed Uh, do you anticipate further uh, uh, further uh, issues that Russia could raise if Ukraine would sign the association agreement? Russia,
2: uh, Russia would
8: the issues that the Russia could raise uh, if Ukraine uh, signs the association agreement, and if uh, Europe has any plans or any thoughts on how to react to that.
3: Okay, so we've got we've got Hungary, Romania, we've got Russian uh, conditions and consequences. Let's take one more uh, right in the back there, back corner.
9: Th- thank you, Garth Trinkle, Department of Commerce. I was going to ask you about the possibility of Turkey. Joining the EU prior to Ukraine, um, because I know that uh, Turkey in the EU is supported by a neighbor to the Carnegie Endowment. But I will ask you instead do you have any reaction to the Economist magazine editorial spelling out a new post Belgium, post Berlin Scandinavian? uh, Oslo, or or Sweden based model for not just Europe, or Eastern Europe, but for San Francisco to Vladivostok. Have have you read the article, and and do you feel that there's any? Uh, do you have any reaction to its call for? for strong social services, which would address Dr. Rajansky's concern for the pensioners in Ukraine, but would also allow for a strong private and efficient provision of both private market and social services.
3: Thank you. Scandinavia from San Francisco to Vladivostok. Okay.
2: Look, look, section uh, clearly is a different picture when you have sanctioned to an external country or that you have sanctioned to a country belonging to the club but not behaving with the club rules. This is a completely different case. And I do think that in this case, uh, well, I think, Europe has a lot of instruments in this case. First of all, uh, they cut AIDS uh, uh, and flow of money. Uh, second, uh, well, they have an increasing set till arriving to, in theory, to the expulsion from the club. You know, difficult because you need such rules, but you know, if there is violation of the basic democratic rules uh, that are uh, the foundation of Europe Uh, uh, is not uh, true what I told before concerning uh, the general rule for sanction because here you have much more instrument based on strict pacts and agreements and uh, this is why when the Austrian case arrived, I opposed the sanction because I said, "Look, we shall be tough if there is a violation, but not if there is an election that you know goes in 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 a in a wrong direction." You know, it's a, uh, because you have to give sanction when there is a mis 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 behaviour. You know, and. Uh, uh, Turkey is a complex case, you know. Uh, uh, the, many opposition inside the European Union were clear, but there was a decision to open negotiation. The negotiations were not easy because really there were enormous uh, mistrusts and also uh, uh, also you know it's, uh, 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 the problem of of the electorates you know I do remember that you know it's, uh, when uh, when w- the decision was taken to open the negotiation with Turkey, it was absolutely unexpected you know I was around the table and I, I, I ran to, to, to my colleagues and, you know, but what happened, you know? Uh, and, uh, but then Chirac, uh, that was uh, chairing the group, you know, uh, had prepared everything. I, st- I told to the we were in Finland, to the Finnish uh, prime minister, to leave immediately to Ankara and to start the negotiation. But then he went back to France. And he understood that the absolute majority of the French they were against. And so, as any intelligent politician said, look, I want Turkey in, but not uh, before a popular referendum, that it was not against his first statement. But when you decide to have a referendum that will be repeated, in all other states, of course, because if France makes a referendum, this will be done. Uh, It becomes much more difficult to have a country in, you know. So the negotiations started with this (laughs) uneasy situation. But then reality changed. It's Turkey that is changing. In my opinion now, well, in my opinion also, in opinion polls, you know, the push in the direction of Europe in Turkey is decreasing uh, day by day, simply because Turkey is now a regional power that takes decision of foreign policy absolutely without any any bargain, any negotiation, you know. One day they hit Israel, the other day they back Israel. Uh, that's, you know, and they do understand... and. You know, Turkey' influence is is increasing politically and economically more than anybody of us think. You know, from Balkans to Central Asia. You know, and uh, uh, the last you mentioned the Economist. I think there was in the Economist telling you look, uh, uh, Iraqi war, the Amer well, uh, how it was, the American <coughs> lost. Uh, uh, the Iranians uh, gained but uh, the triumph the economic triumph is Turkish uh, and uh, Turk, Turkey now is the second trade with Iraq increasing you know and uh, uh, their foreign policy is absolutely autonomous you know it, uh, and so I don't honestly think that they will push Beyond a limit to be member of the Union, you know I am still in favor of that, but I do understand that uh, will be at least a long, long, long process. Uh, the Ukrainian case is different because the negotiation never started, and uh, politically, I told you frankly that i don 't think that any negotiation will start for any major country you know. Maybe I hope the Yugoslavian country because they are on the pipelines, you know, but nothing more than that, you know. Uh, the Scandinavian model. I, I read the article on the Scandinavian model. Uh, this is this is a really a, a crossroad of the future of our economic policy. Uh, let's say everybody says that. Uh, uh, our economy don't grow because the government expenditure is so high, is uh, unduly heavy, and this is a common doctrine, you know. After uh, Reagan, uh, remember Laffer, remember everything, you know, and this has become a common doctrine. But the Scandinavian countries, they grow more than the average. They have an incredible high welfare state costs. And they fly with different wings, you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, look, I think that uh, we have to change the debate. the grab debate, you know. Uh, clearly not easy, because anyone who mentions taxation loses elections. I can testify it uh, because (laughs) I won the election, but in one week I lost five points simply because my opponent in the last day proposed to take off the house taxation. You know, in one day my... uh, And the behavior of any politician is this. But when you get into such a deep crisis as in which you are now, I don't know if uh, to give some sort of Keynesian re- resurrection of Keynes will not be necessary. Of course, uh, in new directions, uh, uh, without all the waste we have done, uh, I am serious, I am not, you know, I am proud to tell you that in the two periods in which I was at the government, I decreased it. Uh, uh, the debt ratio of 10 points each of the two times, you know. I was serious in cutting expenditure. But uh, clearly, and we close with the uh, coming back to the European moment, there is uh, a situation in which if you don't keep uh, the level of labor, everything collapses. Everything collapses. And now... Uh, We are in a very serious passage of our history because in the optimism of the uh, uh, new, uh, let's say, communication revolution, e-society, and so on (coughs) and so on, we have given the message that uh, this will bring new employment. But different from all other revolutions, the new employment does not arrive. And millions of secretaries disappeared. Uh, all the you know uh, the designers, you know the, the you know thousands of people who were uh, Perhaps, right? uh, yeah. making, uh, designing machinery and so disappear. And three computers worked for that. And you go on with the younger people in the legal offices that not anymore. Look at the president, because with uh, the, you, you see it. And you have this impressive change. And nobody, no economist, is really trying to analyze the total consequence of that. This worries me, you know, because uh, look, we live in a society in which we uh, pretend we pay people less and we pretend that they buy more. There is something
3: wrong. You know. Sorry. Thank you. We take one final round of questions? One. Okay. Yeah, because I might play. Okay. Right there.
7: Thank you. Irina Gilevska, Macedonian TV. Mr. Prodi, you know about the name dispute bet- between Macedonia and Greece. Uh, Macedonia is a member state... Uh, is a country for a candidacy uh, seven years uh, now, and four times uh, Greece blockade the uh, recommendation of the European Commission to open negotiations. Do you support in June Macedonia to finally start negotiations with the European Union?
3: Okay. Uh, Yaroslav right
7: there. I don't
3: have a question. I
5: have a very brief comment, if I may. Brief very very brief yaroslav Brisuk with the embassy of ukraine uh, deputy chief of mission i just want to thank you for your uh, for your remarks for your comments and, uh, and just emphasize the point that you made that there is an overwhelming support of ukraine among the population and all political parties of european integration and uh, it's written in the law there have been statements uh, from parliament the president and we have been taking specific steps like new penal code criminal procedure judicial reform and so on and we understand uh, there's a lot of homework for us to do but uh, 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 it's important that we continue on this movement and signing this agreement is a critical uh, moment for ukraine because it will set ukraine firmly on the track towards european membership so uh, we need all the support that we can get for to sign this uh, this november and thank you for supporting it uh, supporting signing it at the um, Eastern Neighborhood Summit, and all I can say is spread the word yeah, to European colleagues.
2: You mean membership, literally? I, I, I told you how I should be in favor, you know. But in the today's situation of Europe, I think that we must concretely do, you know, a, a beginning, of, a starting of action. But uh, and then.
3: Last question there, Mike. Uh, Mike Scanlon
8: from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. I was wondering if you could go beyond Macedonia in speaking to Western Balkan integration and leave us with an uplifting note that Europe can continue to move on the project. Realistically, your time frame after Croatia, are we looking at a long pause? Can the Greek issue be resolved with Macedonia, the five non-recognition with Kosovo, constitutional dysfunctionality, BIH, how will they, is it possible for Europe in this muddling through period to address this in, in the next five, ten years? Can I Thank just
3: you. say for context, the reason that this man has asked about optimism and then talked about the Balkans is that he just came from Belarus. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, Macedonia was, he, Macedonia did fantastic progress in the beginning, you know, and has given an example how Albanian uh, they could live with the bulk of the, uh, let's say, uh, Slavish uh, population, you know. with I, I I was there, and I thought it was one of the first countries to enter. And then, uh, also because of the slowness of Europe, you know, this process was in some way stopped, you know. And because in the Balkans, you know, they were, all the Yugoslavian Republic, they were put together by, by Tito, you know. And with this death, you know, everything went in disarray. So which was the uh, uh, commission strategy? What I have done? To go to Slovenia to tell, look, you are ready, but you will enter into the Union only if you back Croatia, that is your enemy. You prepare them to come. Then going to Croatia, look, don't open the mouth for Slovenia because if you put an obstacle, nobody will come in. And we tried to, and the third one was Macedonia. We tried to build a train. I was calling it the train, you know, in which each wagon was. And this was interrupted, you know, by the, the European crisis that I mentioned and 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 look uh croatia was was organized to be member in two thousand and seven and will be only in the next months and then I am work well I am not anymore working you know, but i to all the politicians I meet I say look, uh please now Serbia." They made so many sacrifices. It uh, is such a humiliated country, full of energy, full of... Uh, let us give them hope, you know. And then you start. And when you have Serbia in, it will be much more easy to have Kosovo in. Our, you know, and you you create this situation, you know. And the results on this process are good, you know, because... The progress done by Albania, for example, is incredible. But Albania, when 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 uh, you know uh, the, 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 the Soviet Union collapsed, it was something that it was inconceivable, un- you know, as a country. Now it's it's a working country, you know, and so. Uh, I, uh, my idea for the bunker is to build back again the train. will be slower, but it's a train, you know. And I'm uh, 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 sorry not to uh, uh, tell that uh, the process uh, will, will go on even in the future, you know, because the fatigue is so, so deep. You know, but the new Europe with the, uh, let's say, diverging strategy, they don't maybe we shall go back. You know. But the important now is uh, to go on with the project you know, and uh, with the help of the United States.
3: Well, fatigue is something that all of us who deal with Eastern Europe are familiar with. Uh, we don't want to fatigue uh, Mr. Prodi or, or all of you too much. Uh, I want to thank uh, President Prodi first of all and thank all of you and and say that we actually have a reception to refresh and restore our energy. It's just downstairs. You take the stairs in the back there. uh, It'll be in front of you or you go down one floor in the elevators and it'll be through the the glass door. So thank you all very much.